Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Good morning, Crossroads. Uh, Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration. Uh, where we love celebrating Jesus, um, especially when we can do so in what is termed, uh, I can't think of a better term for it, so I came up with this name on my own, uh, and I called it the Marathon of Seasons, because the fall season, uh, which we are officially in now, uh, started on the and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, 22nd of September started the fall season, I believe. So yeah, so we are officially in the fall season, uh, but with it comes all of these other seasons. I mean, just so many different seasons. Uh, The first comes, obviously, football season, right? So people have already, you know, been complaining about the Steelers and their record. I mean, they're, I think one and one, they have a game this afternoon, which we hope gets better. Uh, but at the same time, also um, uh, starts the fall TV season. And if you're like me, I watch a lot of TV. So um, a lot of the fall TV shows that I've been like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next, but I had to wait. All, the, all of these are starting back. All the fall TV shows are starting back. Uh, also, uh, pumpkin everything season, right? I mean, pumpkin coffee, tea, uh, cupcake. We have pumpkin desserts over there at the breakfast thing. So yeah, pumpkin everything season starts now. But with pumpkin everything season, and this is one of my favorites of the season, also comes flannel everything season. Uh, I went to two Walmarts this week looking for like flannel shirts and they were out. All they had were like the 4XL and there were only like two of those left. Um, And then in the other Walmart, they had like none. So flannel everything season is coming, but also this also brings with it uh, political season because elections are coming up in November. And even though we don't have a presidential election, uh, and I think for our area, there may not be any congressional or senatorial races, but in a lot of areas there are. And uh, shameless plug, in our area, for, for Jefferson Hills, Pleasant Hills also, I think, um, there are council seats that are up. So an organization that I work with is actually doing a live stream tonight at, I think, 7 p.m. We're going to stream it on our website of all, well, they sent invitations to all, but not all accepted, but the candidates, Republican and Democrat, they said, we want to hear from you, and we, they sent them a list of questions on a variety of topics, taxes, uh, money, um, you name it. I, I think they had like 22 questions, probably won't get through them all because I want to keep it to a little over an hour, uh, to ask, hey, what are your views on this? Because these are topics that are important to the constituents in this area. Uh, so if you're able to, uh, check that out tonight. And this, all this stuff reminds me, how many remember Bugs Bunny, right? 
Bugs Bunny, Donald Duck, when they used to go back and forth, and they used to be like rabbit season, duck season, rabbit season, duck season, back and forth, right? That's what this reminds me of, because it's like, it's flannel season, pumpkin season, political season, football season, all of these seasons run together. But here's one season that will not change, and that's regardless of what season it is, when we come together as the body of Christ to worship God, right? Whether we're doing it in person, for those of you who are in the room, or for those of you who are online, Bonnie, Martha, Glenn, Stacy, uh, John Thornton, uh, Denny and Heidi, all of you guys, Larry, that are watching online, no matter what season it is, we still want to keep to the truth of who we are, of being a congregation that comes together to worship God, right? And I want to start with a, a, a scripture in the book of Revelation, and uh, pray for Mark and Don, because they're sick as well. We have so many people sick uh, that we're going to be praying for in a little bit. Pray for Mark and Don, uh, uh, and Mark is teaching through on Tuesday nights the book of Revelation, and he didn't do it last week because, you know, he and Don were sick. But in the book of Revelation, this is what it says. It says, after this, I looked, and a vast host appeared, which no one could count, gathered out of every nation from all the tribes and peoples and languages. And this is, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be like, that when we come together, right, it's not just, it's not just, I mean, we won't be separated by the sick people and the online people and the people that are quarantining and pray for Andrew because he had planned on being here, but his, his truck got towed because he parked it in an area and forgot that they were doing the marathons last night. But, but all the people from all races and all people and all tribes and all tongues will come together to worship God, right? And then he, he says this, in a loud voice they cried saying, our salvation is due to our God who is seated on the throne and to the lamb. To them we owe our deliverance. This is, this is the church. This is the body of Christ. Every people, every nation, every tribe coming together to worship God. And then John writes this. He says, and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders of the heavenly Sanhedrin and the four living creatures, and they fell prostrate before the throne and worshiped God. And this is what they said. Amen. So be it, they cried. Blessing and glory and majesty and splendor and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and might be ascribed to our God through the ages and ages, forever and ever, throughout the eternities of eternities. Amen. So be it. And we're, there's, there, I mean, granted right now, um, we're all separated because, you know, some people are homesick, some people, you know, are home quarantining, and we'll pray for them uh, later. And right now, some people won't walk into a church because they're just angry about what's going on in our nation. Other people are rushing to churches because of what's going on in our nation. But there's going to be a day when all the people who experience the salvation that's offered by God will just come together and worship together and praise him because he's just worthy to be God. We won't be worried about all the things that separate us. We won't be worried about all the sickness. We won't be worried about political turmoil. We won't be worried about, you know, viruses. We'll just be praising the God who saved us all. So that's how I want to start this morning. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're just going to jump into a time 
of praising God through song. Amen, God. We are so grateful for every blessing that you have poured out on us. And as we spend our time this morning, and even when we leave here and go forward this week, we pray that you would impress it upon our hearts how good you are to your people. We pray that we would remember that and celebrate that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, take a moment, turn around, welcome, greet someone. Uh, ask them how you can pray for them this week, and we'll continue in just a minute. All right. As you are uh, making your way uh, back to your seats and getting situated, before we begin, uh, just to get us all in the right frame of mind for the topic today, uh, I thought I'd ask with a question that uh, hopefully we can all identify with, and that is simple. What is your favorite food? I was going to ask what's your favorite fall food, but then it would just be pumpkin this, pumpkin that, pumpkin, 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 whatever. So does anyone have a favorite food? Yeah. Italian, Italian food. I love Italian. My wife's Italian. She loves Italian. Anyone else have a favorite, favorite food? Lobster. What is it? Lobster. Lobster. Yeah. I love seafood. Christy does not, so I don't get it that often. So whenever I do, I like over... Indulge. If you're watching online, feel free to type out in the comments what your favorite food is. Anyone else? Favorite food? Something that winter, spring, summer, fall, you could just eat it all. Yeah, honey. Pizza. Yeah, she loves, she's like a huge fan of pizza. But then we become sometimes like, I don't want to say pizza snobs, but if it's not good pizza, it's just not good pizza. Yeah. Um, uh, anyone else? For, for, okay, so mine is, um, Christy makes this really great tomahawk steak. It's huge. It's like got the bone in, great cut of meat. Uh, it's also like $40 per steak, so we only get it like birthdays and holidays. That's about it. Um, but uh, when she seasons it just right, it is like mouth-watering delicious. I mean, it is like the best thing I have ever eaten. Uh, I absolutely love it. I think the fact that we only do it like once or twice a year adds on to it, although I'd be happy if we did it every other week, but uh, we couldn't afford it, but yeah, I would love it. So our topic this morning actually has nothing to do with food, but I wanted to get everyone into a frame of mind because food kind of helps us get into a happy place, right? When you think of food, uh, when you think of, uh, and <laughs> I forgot this, Len Lene, um, who's not here, they're, they're still quarantining, reminded me of this, that not only is it all these other things seasons, uh, but it's also soup season, or maybe it was Melanie, soup season, like soups of all kinds, and you start thinking of foods that like warm your body and taste good, and it gets you into a happy place. So I want you to take a moment, think of your favorite food. And I know some people don't need to think of food to get in a happy place, but for me, anywhere there's food, I'm in a happy place. So yeah, I went with food. But uh, take a moment, think of food or whatever it takes to get you into a happy place before we get into the topic. Because the topic we're going to talk about, uh, it's kind of not like your favorite food. It's kind of like bitter, like your worst food, a food hard to digest. But we all need to be in a happy place because it's in the Word of God, so we're going to talk about it, okay? So um, get in your happy place, and then we're going to continue talking about the book of Titus, right? Uh, Titus is uh, 
a, a pastor of a church in Crete, and Paul wrote a letter to him talking about, you know, how he should teach, what he should teach, and all the things that he should teach. And as we get to the last chapter of the book of Titus, it's only three chapters, we get to the last chapter, we get to the place, and I'm going to read this because uh, I don't want to mess it up. We get to the place where Paul reminds Titus in chapter 3, uh, through verses like 3 through 7 or 8, he reminds him that we all, he says, remind the people, and, 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 and by extension us, that we all used to be foolish, misled, hate-mongering idiots, divided by our simple-minded passions. He's talking about all of us. And if that offends you, go back to the happy place. Think of the food and the soup and, and all that stuff. Um, and he says, we used to all be that way, but God stepped in and showed us love and mercy, not because we deserved it or because we earned it, but because he loved us enough to make us heirs to his kingdom, right? And then he finishes that passage by saying, remind the people of this. He says, stress this to them. So I'm going to stress this to us, so I'm going to read that again. He says that we all used to be foolish, misled, hate-mongering idiots divided by our simple-minded passion. And that used to be all of them who he's writing to, and by extension, all of us. But God stepped in and showed us love and mercy, not because we deserved or earned it, but because he loved us enough to make us heirs to his kingdom. And he says, you have got to stress this to the people. Now, he also said this, and we talked about this last week, as heirs to the kingdom, we have the wisdom to make God-honoring decisions, right? Uh, and he said, this is, uh, we talked about this last week. He said, this is what we should be teaching from the pulpit. He said, you should be teaching, and by extension, pastors should be teaching self-control, sober-minded thinking, respect for others, and patience, right? From the pulpit, we should be teaching people, hey, to have self-control, not to give in to every urge, right? To make sober-minded, sober-minded just means unclouded, clear-headed decisions, to have respect for other people, and to be patient. And here's the reality. Did anyone uh, uh, think back to your high school, college, on-the-job training, whatever it was, did anyone take a class, Self-Control 101? No. Anyone take, uh, here's how to respect others? No. And, and none of us learned, either on the job or in school, here's how you are to exhibit patience. Right? So, uh, and the question then is, if we didn't learn it anywhere else, where are you going to learn that from? Because we definitely need, in our culture, people who are self-controlled and make clear-headed, sober-minded decisions. We definitely need, in today's culture, because we're so divided, not just in our nation, but in the world, respect for others. And we definitely need patience to deal with some of the, insert whatever word you want, people that are running the nation and making crazy decisions, right? So if you don't learn it in school, where are you going to learn it? You would think you would learn it at home, but if the people at home didn't learn it in school, you're just not going to get it anywhere, which is why 
we're supposed to teach this in the church. He said that this, teaching this, is sound biblical doctrine. Right? The same, on the same level with theology, salvation, understanding the grace of God, justification by faith, all of that stuff, good theology, all of this stuff also sound biblical teaching. Right? Is this, is this making sense? Does that make sense to people that, yeah, the church should teach these kind of things? Okay, so he also says, and we're going to talk about this, hey, not only should you teach these people, here's what you should do you should also kind of talk to them of, here's the people they should avoid. And that's huge because a lot of us, if not us, we've seen it in our children, have tried, lived a life trying to make right decisions, but then got in with the wrong people and made really bad life choices. Some that were just you know, this is for an instant, maybe it cost me a job, maybe it cost me a relationship. Some that cost you time in prison or cost someone their life just because we were following the wrong crowd. So he says, in addition to here's what you should do, he gets down and says, hey, here's some of the things that you should avoid. All right Now, I want you, I'm going to put all the verses on screen, but I want you to open to the book of Titus chapter 3 because I want you to follow along and I want you to see I'm not making any of this stuff up. This is literally uh, what he says. So he starts in Titus chapter 3 verse 1. He says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. Some of you just got mad, but stay in your happy place. Just, just get in your happy place. To be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Now, this is one of the reasons I wanted us to be in a happy place, right? It's because whenever people hear subject to authorities in the Bible, they immediately think of the political leaders that they don't like. We don't think of the ones that we do like. We immediately think, if you were a Democrat under Trump, you immediately think, not my president, right? If you're a Republican under Biden, you immediately think, there's no way I'm going to listen to him. Because that's where our mind goes. That's what we start thinking about. And once we start thinking that, we immediately go to the places where he says you shouldn't go. You think, I'm not going to obey them because they're not my president. They're incompetent or whatever. You think, I'm not going to do what they say. You start slandering them, and you do things that are the opposite of being peaceful and considerate and gentle towards everyone. But he says, hey, this is what we should do. He says, remind them, because one, we should already know this because this should be taught from the pulpit, right? Self-control, sober-minded wisdom, patience, and respect for others. Uh, two, he says, remind them because it's reinforced from the Holy Spirit, Right? A lot of people, when, when you hear something God-honoring from the pulpit, the Holy Spirit will put a check in you to say, yes, that's right. Even though our spirit wants to say, no, I don't want to do that. But here's the real reason why he said remind them, or I shouldn't say the real reason, an additional reason. He said remind them of that because everything that he had talked about so far was contrary to the culture and there was a lie that the false teachers were spreading throughout the culture. Now, the culture, uh, we talked about in chapter 1. Paul said one of Crete's own prophets has said, Cretans are liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons, right? It was a culture filled with people who would lie, what we call, you know, 
fake news today, uh, evil, no one was doing good, and they were lazy, self-indulgent people. That's the culture that that was in. And in that culture, there was a lie that was being spread that said Christians don't have to obey the government unless the government was Christian. Nowhere in Scripture do you find that. There are people that say the same thing today. Well, I don't have to obey them because they're not Christian, or I don't have to obey them because they're not of my party. And again, for all of you, we're talking about politics. Some of you may need to go to your happy place, right? Because whenever you talk about politics in the church, people get upset unless you're saying what they want to hear. So here's the reality. Let me, let me, let me do this little disclaimer. Nothing that, well, let me put it this way, everything that I share this morning is from the Word of God. That's why I want you to follow along in your Bible. A lot of what I share this morning, it's not going to make Democrats happy. It's not going to make Republicans happy. It may not even make the Libertarians happy, but it's the Word of God, and it's what we're supposed to follow. Okay? So uh, just, again, go to your happy place and bear with me. Okay? So um, he said that this lie uh, that was circulating Christians don't have to obey the government unless the government was Christian. That's why a lot of people weren't being subject to the rulers. Now, he said, hey, when you be subject to the rulers, it means exactly what it means that we're supposed to obey. But there are some stipulations on that that you find on other places in Scripture, right? We don't blindly follow anyone. Right? We don't even blindly follow God. We, we search the word of God to see if this is true. So uh, one of the things that he wrote, he wrote to Timothy about this similar topic. Timothy, the book of 1 Timothy was written about six months before Titus. And at that time, the emperor of Rome was not a fan of Christians. Persecuting them, didn't like them. But he put out a law that said you can worship you know, your Christian God, you can worship whoever you want, but every time you gather, you need to pray for the emperor. And Timothy wrote to Paul and said, hey, how do we deal with this? And this is the response in the book of 1 Timothy that Paul sent, and we talked about this when we went through 1 Timothy a while ago. He said, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all those in authority that we may leave peaceful and quiet lives and godliness and holiness. And Paul's like, yeah, we should definitely pray. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the kings. Make thanksgiving for them. But he didn't say, hey, we do this because we agree with them or because they're right. He said, we do this because this is good and it pleases God our Savior because he wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. In other words, if, if the current leader you're under, no matter it be at the state level, federal level, local municipality level, president, uh, congressman, senator, if you're not happy with them, you definitely should be praying for them because God looks at them the same way that he looks at you. And remember, we're probably thinking that they're hate-mongering, uh, idiots, all those things we said before, that's the way God used to look at us. So now we're supposed to look at them the way that God used to look at us and hope and want for them the same thing that God provided for us. 
salvation and knowledge of the truth. Doesn't mean we agree with them. Doesn't mean we support uh, things that they say that may not go in line with what we believe. It does mean that we want them to be saved because God does, right? So that's, that's, that's the start, okay? And again, it's not saying that, hey, but they put out something unbiblical or they made laws that we don't agree with. Not saying we have to agree with those laws. Nowhere does he says that. But he does say we should pray for them, right? Now, there are also stipulations to that because, yes, we are to be subject to the governing authorities, but there's a stipulation to that as well. About seven years before he wrote uh, the book of 1 Timothy, uh, Paul wrote Romans. And here's the problem. Most people that quote this passage from Romans don't do it in context. They only quote part of it. But there's a stipulation to it. So Paul wrote to the church in Rome, uh, same thing, a government that wasn't favorable to Christians. But he said, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Now, let me clarify that. He's not saying that God put Trump in president or God put Biden in president. We don't get to blame God for either one of those. We did that. Okay. The United States voted, and, and Trump won. The United States voted, and then Biden won. We don't get to blame either of those things on God. And I'll say this, and I'll probably lose a lot of people after this. I'm a registered independent, but going forward, Republican Party and Democratic Party, you can do better. Those are not the best that this country has to offer. We can do a lot better and focus on electing people who don't want to just represent a party, but who want to work to fix the problems that we have in America. If we keep voting in people who only want to represent a party, then you're going to keep having this division because the rest of America is going to be like, what about us? While this party is like, we're trying to get our agenda passed. If we would actually put someone in office who's like, hey, I'm, I, I'm not so much focused on the party. Let's work together. And it's like saying, uh, you know, if I don't know what the, 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 the quantity is, but if half of America is Republican, half of America is, is Democrat, it's like saying, I'm only going to work with 50% of the resources available. Does, does that even make sense? Why not say, what can we do to bring together 70 or 80 or 90 or 100% of the resources available, all of America, to fix the problems we have. Okay, I'm going to get off of that, okay? But again, this is where, this is where things get a little, little hard to digest. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except which God has established. And again, he's not talking about the people. He's talking about the process of, of, of uh, legislation and government, right? But then he says this in verse 2, he says, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority, not the person, against the authority, is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And think about this. No matter what nation on the planet you go to, and no matter what history, period, in time you go there, every nation has had some kind of similar, whether it be a king, whether it be a president, whether it be an emperor, whether it be a tribal chief, some kind of thing where there's a leader who works with a handful of people 
to lead all of the people, right? Every single tribe, every single nation, every single historical period, that's the way it has worked because that's what God has instituted in order for man to lead man. So he says if you're rebelling against that authority, again, not the people, you're rebelling against what God has instituted. And then he says this, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, you want to be free from fear of the one in authority, then do what is right and you will be commended. And then people stop there, but that's not where Paul stopped. Because in the very next verse, he says, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. He's saying that, hey, just like we should be subject to those authorities, the expectation is those government authorities will be subject to God because they're supposed to serve him. There's an expectation there. Yeah, we're supposed to be subject to the authorities. Those authorities are supposed to be subject to God. He said they are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. They're what God uses to execute his will and to lead and to govern men. And if you look, this is why a lot of people don't understand the Bible, if you look through uh, the major prophets and the minor prophets and even the historical period parts of the Bible, it's God judging and bringing down nation after nation after nation after nation because they failed to serve him. It's a huge part of the Bible. There are nations throughout the Bible that I'm like, what is this nation? It's mentioned like once. What is this nation? Why is this here? It's because they refused to serve God, so God judged them, and he ended them. So there is a, a, a dual expectation. We are supposed to serve, I mean, be subject to the governing authorities, but those governing authorities are also supposed to be subject to God. And here's what happens. When the party that we don't like is in power, then we refuse and say we're no longer going to be subject to them, which is why Paul writes to Titus and he says, hey, remind the people to be obedient, to slander no one, to be peaceable, consider it, and always be gentle because when the government isn't doing what we want. We tend to slander them, but he says we shouldn't slander anyone. We tend to, to protest, and you can have a peaceful protest, but here's the thing. If you're a Christian and you're out as part of a breaking businesses, throwing rocks, burning cars, I don't care what the topic is, you are not being God-honoring. That doesn't mean you can't protest, but we're supposed to be peaceful, considerate, and gentle towards everyone. And he says, remind the people that this is how Christians are supposed to be. And then in the next couple of verses, if you have your Bible open, I didn't put the verses up on screen, he talks about what we talked about earlier. He says, remind the people that we used to be foolish, misled, hate-mongering idiots, divided by our simple-minded passions, right? He says, this, this, this used to be them, this used to be all of us. And then he talks about how God stepped in, showed love and mercy, not because we deserved it or earned it, but because God loved us enough to make us heirs to his kingdom. And then he says this in verse 8. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things. That's why I've been reiterating over and over and over. That's who we used to be, but we are not those people anymore. He says, I want you to stress those things so that those who have trusted in God 
Every Christ follower, that's us, not just them there, but all of us, every Christ follower, those who have trusted in God, may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Profitable not meaning money, profitable meaning that it puts you in a better position than when you started. So our understanding of, of, of how we respond to the government, yes, we, we live in a country where we can voice our distrust, our, our uh, dissatisfaction about the government. We live in a country where we can gather and peacefully protest when the government does something that we think is unjust or not right. We should do that as long as we're doing it this way. But then he points out something. He says, but here's the people that you should avoid. And I'm going to wind down with this. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Now, he was talking about people who would talk about the Jewish law and the fact that, yes, you still have to obey the Jewish law, and they were called the Judaizers. We talked about that in week one, how that's not necessarily true. Right? I mean, the book of Acts talks about how the, the, the church put out a letter saying, hey, we don't have to obey all this stuff anymore. But there were still people that were saying you do. For us today, it's not so much. There are still people that try to say we have to obey the Jewish law, but we don't. But for us today, think about it this way. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the laws being made in our land today about mask mandates, about vaccination mandates. It's not that we shouldn't voice our opinion, but the people that are making this their life lesson, he says, avoid those people. Don't waste time with them. He says, warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time. After that, have absolutely, positively nothing to do with them. And there are people who, this, this is all they live for, is to divide people. But he says we should warn them once, warn them a second time. After that, let them go. Cut them out of our life. Don't waste another moment on those people who all they want is not to make things better, but to, but to divide and to tear down. And I, I, I thought it was this important that here's, here's what I did. I'm going to ask Gary to come up here for a minute. Because I know some of you may have a problem cutting those people out of your life. So what I did is I got every single one of you a pair of scissors. They're children's scissors because I don't want anyone to get hurt and I don't want a lawsuit. And they're still in the case, so they're up close, so don't open them here. Wait till you get home. But to keep these as a reminder that there are people that you may have to cut out of your life, even if it's only temporarily, Right? Put them, put, them, put them on your dresser. Uh, put them next to wherever you do your reading. Put them wherever. And, and, and I'll share this because, um, yeah, I think I can share this. Uh, I watched, actually, uh, my wife do this, not that she cut someone out of her life, but someone who was continually asking her about mask mandates and this, that, and the other, and she simply responded with a text that said, I don't want to talk about this with you. That's it. That's, that's the thing. And Paul says, hey, yeah, warn them once, 
If they're being divisive, then warn them a second time. He says, after that, cut them out of your life. Let them go. Get rid of them. They are not worth your time. They are not worth your effort. And here's why. He says, because you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and self-condemned. That word warped means there's something that's not right that's keeping them on the straight and narrow. And they're sinful because they are dividing the body of Christ and they are self-condemned because they're refusing to acknowledge the truth. Don't waste time with those people. Warn them once, warn them a second time, and remember, do it respectfully, do it with patience, but the third time after that, just be done. Because they don't have your... There are too many problems in our world right now for us to waste time arguing with people about this, especially since unless there are people who can do something about it, it's a waste of time. And time is too precious to give that much of it to people who are just trying to divide our nation. One of the reasons why I wanted to go and, uh, through the book of Titus is because it kind of summarizes the things that we in the church should be teaching people, especially in this day and age. First and foremost, we talked about the fact that there is nothing more important than correct biblical teaching when it comes to equipping the people of God. Also, the fact that, hey, good biblical teaching means teaching people to have self-control, make sober-minded, wise decisions, respect for others, and patience. And again, respect for others doesn't mean we agree with their wrong thinking, but we can respectfully say, I'm done with you. But also acknowledging that, hey, we were once the same foolish, misled, hateful, divisive people that we see out in the world. We're not better than them. We were just like them. And then God saved us, which should help keep us in mind that God wants to save them too. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your head. And right now, each and every one of us can probably think of someone uh, in our circles of influence of, of, of who, when we talk about foolish or misled or hateful or divisive, that they come to mind. And maybe it's somebody that we've already said, hey, I, I need to just step back from you and this time, at this time in my life. But because we step back from them, doesn't mean we stop praying for them. So God, whoever those people are, that you, I'm asking you now to put upon our hearts, they may be friends, they may be family members, they may be coworkers, I pray that you would first and foremost remind us that we were once like them. I pray that you would remind us that we have the capability to exhibit patience as we deal, from them, deal with them, to be respectful as we talk to them, but also to remember that, hey, after a time, we may have to just cut them out of our life, but we can still pray for them going forward. And God, we also pray that, because we know that there's not an elected official that will come in this day or the next or in the future who will unite this nation 
and provide the hope that we need. We know that's only going to come from people acknowledging you as Lord and Savior. So we pray that the church would rise up and be the church. Share the truth of your word. Equip the people to be the church. And continue to pray for our nation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Uh, thank you guys. Continue to pray uh, in the days and weeks to come for uh, just those people in our circles of influence that may be divisive. And God bless you. If you don't have anyone that's like that in your circle of influence, uh, celebrate that. Thank Jesus for that. Um, and pray that you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. God bless and see everyone next week. <laughs>